This is episode 120. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Well, hello, my friends. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Thank you for joining me today here at the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. I'm Siope, and I am your host. And today we are going to be talking about what is happening in the world, but also your role as a parent in bringing your children up successfully, and also with a sense of resiliency to everything that's happening. So we are going to be talking about really a combination of two things. There is a technical side to parenting and there's an artistic side to parenting. Two very different mindsets and yet bringing them together gives you the maximum success when it comes to raising your children. What I mean by the technical side is the technical meaning that you're consistent, that you have a very structured way about how you go about things. And then the artistic side allows us to be flexible enough to create an environment where growth can happen because too much rigidity actually keeps children from growing up with a sense of resiliency. Now, you may be wondering why I'm bringing this up right now. Well, we are almost a year into this pandemic, this worldwide pandemic. And the things that I have been communicating with parents about have been really difficult in regards to the way that they are parenting and their expectations from a year ago. And what I'm here to tell you is that if you had a, a mindset for how things were going to work a year ago, pre-pandemic, and you are stuck on that mindset, you have to make some adjustments because right now, a year into this, things have changed. The way we engage and interact have changed. The way your children go to school, it has changed. The way they interact with friends, it has changed. And so we want to maintain consistency in the overall structure of what we do, but we want to allow some flexibility in there as parents to make room for adjustments to happen and growth to happen. So when I'm communicating with parents, I always talk to them about this balance between it's almost like a yin and a yang. There's a technical side, which includes the skills. The skills are very technical. You follow very specific steps from the teaching family model in the way that you implement correcting behaviors or the way that you problem solve, making decisions. Very, very specific steps in there. In addition to that, parents bring in some flexibility to allow growth to occur and where they can help the children understand concepts a little more easily. Now, you may be wondering how I'm going to bridge these two, and it's actually super easy because the teaching family model bridges those things naturally. In fact, you will find that within the skills that we use in the teaching family model on the Smarter Parenting website, they have built-in options for flexibility. So they give you the structure, the technical part of it, but built into the skills, into the steps, there is flexibility for the parent to make some decisions and to make the adjustments in order to help children learn and how to grow. Our goal is really to teach children. We want to teach them. We want to help them. We want to guide them. We don't want to move in there and make things difficult for them at all. So we want to be helpers. We want to help them along this path of growth towards independence. So during this podcast, we're going to cover three specific things. We're going to talk about what is normal right now. We're going to talk about how we are holding on to the expectations we have. 
So this could be expectations we had in the past, as well as expectations that we have right now, and why it's dangerous to hold on to expectations that we had a year ago in the world that we're living in today. And then the last thing that we want to talk about during this podcast is how you can be more flexible in your approach and why this is important. In fact, we are going to be using the skill of correcting behaviors. And in that skill, I will show you the technical part and the artistic part, the the consistency part, which are all the steps and how you do them, and the flexibility part, which allows this interaction to occur between you and your child, which allows them to make choices, decisions, and really weigh their options. So I'm super excited to share this with you today because this is something that I feel all parents need to understand. We can go with a cookie-cutter, consistency, technical way of implementing skills to help children behave better. There's absolutely a way we could do that. However, it doesn't allow them to grow, to expand. It doesn't allow them to participate in this growth. And so we want to be able to teach children how to move forward, how to make decisions, how to be successful in everything that they do. I'm going to introduce you to a family, and this family is fantastic. I appreciate them for for allowing me to share their story. It's Dennis and Amber and their seven-year-old son, Max. We're going to be talking about Max's issues in following their instructions and how they're able to work with him using both a very consistent method, the technical side, and also the artistic side of parenting. I've been working with Dennis and Amber for a couple of weeks now, and while we've been working through the skills, they have been able to adopt all the skills, the steps of the skills. They're able to implement those. We've gone through a couple of them, and there is one issue that they continually struggle with, and that is that Max ignores his parents' requests when they ask him to do something. It specifically happens when it's time to get ready for bed. So Dennis will say, Max, you need to go get ready for bed. Max will struggle with it, and he doesn't want to go to bed. And in fact, he will outright ignore it, even if they have him repeat back what he has said. Now, this brings me to my first point. While I've been working with Dennis and Amber, we started talking about what was normal and what is normal now. Back before the pandemic, they had a very strict sleep schedule, how things were going to work. But because Max is now doing homeschooling, the schedule has changed quite a bit. So they've made some adjustments and allowed him to stay up later. They've allowed him to do some other things that would not necessarily make him tired in the evening. So we started to talk about that. It's like, what is normal and what is not normal based off of where we are right now? Not based off of where we were a year ago, but where we are right now. And as we made these discoveries and we started to discuss these differences and these changes, they found out that normal right now makes it difficult for him to be tired in the evening. They allow him more time to get up in the morning, to get some rest. They give him nap time. There's a lot more time for him to rest throughout the day, whereas before, pre-pandemic, he was busy. He would get up in the morning, go to school. They had some after-school activities. He had some additional things he needed to do before he got ready for bed. And he would crash and go to bed. So when they reported to me that he did fine pre-pandemic to the schedule that they had, we started to explore what has changed, what is normal right now. 
So as we discussed what is normal right now, we started to focus in on what ways we can create a safe environment and also an environment that is helpful for the family because I'm not recommending that they go back to the way things were pre-pandemic. That would require the parents to be up early and also to keep him busy throughout the day, whereas pre-pandemic, there are a lot of different things doing that. Now they're just all at home. So we had to come up with a new normal. What is normal right now? And as we started making these adjustments, we started to notice that we could create a schedule for him that could be consistent, but also flexible for the situation that was happening in their home right now. And when school picks up, then they can go back to a new normal. Now, this concept of what is normal right now is very important for all parents. The reason that it's important is because your children are consistently changing. They are changing all the time. So you as a parent have to sit and think about this. What is normal right now is not going to be normal in the future. And I need to allow for some flexibility in there. I need to be able to be artistic and not be so technical. So Dennis and Amber were focused on the technicalities of this is bedtime. This is what we're doing. Boom, boom, boom. Without taking into consideration what was happening, what is the normal right now? And as we started to introduce more artistic or more flexible ways of interacting with their child based off of what is happening in their family and in the world, we were able to come up with a solution to that. So for Dennis and for Amber, the idea was they would get him up earlier in the morning. They would have things scheduled that were more consistent and they would not allow him to take a longer nap in the afternoon. So he was taking longer naps in the afternoon, obviously, that he would struggle with that. So what was normal right now? We also focused on what he was eating before he went to bed. We focused on a bedtime routine. We also focused on dinner and snacks and treats. So we focused everything on creating this technical, consistent part and then allowed for the flexibility for him to make adjustments and also for them to adjust to everything that's going on. So now we were focused in on how they establish this environment for right now. And that led to our discussion on the second point that I wanted to cover during this podcast, which is holding on to unrealistic expectations or the expectations they had before. Now, uh, when I was talking to Dennis and Amber, Amber had a really hard time with this idea of making adjustments and changing it because she wanted things to be consistent to the way that they were before. And as we continually talked and worked through this whole process, we started to discover that there was a sense of comfort for Amber in trying to return to the way things were. She wanted things to, after the pandemic, go back to normal. And that is a normal response to everything that's going on. In fact, I know a lot of parents would love to just go back to life pre-pandemic and have things just carry on the way that they were. The reality is, is that after the pandemic, things are still going to change because of the pandemic. You can't have one thing happen and not have it affect everything else. We started to talk about these expectations and the unrealistic expectation that once schools start to open up, that everything is just going to go back to the way it was. There actually is talk of children doing school online if that is more conducive to their personality and the way that they work through school. Some kids have been very effective in doing their schoolwork at home, 
and they prefer it rather than going to the actual building and doing things. So that's one area where it might change. There are other areas that are being explored. You know, do kids need to take more classes online in order to stay up on credits? And how do we go about doing that? Uh, packets may be something else. Anyways, this this is a tangent on school itself. And Amber's desire for things to go back to the way that they were before without taking into consideration that everything that we're going through right now is helping us to readjust to a new normal that is eventually going to happen. I do not foresee that everything is going to go back to the way things are absolutely going to be. In fact, there's a report in the news about businesses closing down their offices because people have been working remotely and working in a building and paying rent for the building and heat and all of that did not make sense anymore. And so some businesses are actually closing down where uh, employees have to go to a building to work because we have been conditioned to work at home. So there are a lot of things like this that will help inform how the future is going to unfold. And allowing for the flexibility in there is going to help us deal with our frustrations and our anger and our inability to to deal with difficulties because we allow room to move. We're not so rigid in the way that we are approaching things that it needs to be this way or that way, this way or that way. It was an interesting discussion. So one thing that I would advise for all people to do, all parents out there, is I want you to think of what are the expectations that you had before the pandemic and what are the expectations you have now And I want you to anticipate what do you think is going to happen in the future. The idea of you being able to entertain that opens up a whole room of possibility for your ability to work through whatever may happen in the future as the world changes. So think of the past. What were your expectations? What are the expectations depending on now? And then what is in the future? I hope you can recognize that as Dennis and Amber are working through this process, what we're doing is helping to create resilience in them and resilience for Max by telling him things are not always going to stay exactly the same. There's room to make changes. There's room for growth. Dennis and Amber are accepting this. They're teaching it to Max. We did things a certain way. We need to make adjustments now, and we will have to make adjustments again. And that is okay. It's okay to do that. And it really is okay. Now, a lot of people do find comfort in knowing that things are going to be a certain way, black and white, but those people tend to struggle quite a bit and feel a lot of pressure because they lack the flexibility to allow things to adjust and to change. That requires a whole different podcast to talk about the flexibility that's required to do that. So we have covered the two things that I initially wanted to talk about, which is what is normal right now and holding on to expectations that we had before instead of allowing us some flexibility to make adjustments now and adjustments in the future. Now, as I continually worked with Dennis and Amber, specifically with Max on ignoring his parents' request to do what they ask, and specifically for bedtime, we set in place the skill of correcting behaviors. Now, correcting behaviors is a skill where I'm going to show you how this skill integrates 
both consistency and flexibility, where you can see a parent interaction with a child is both technical and artistic. Now, before I do, I got to take a break for this message. Do you need to take a parenting class? Do you need a certificate for that parenting class? Sign up for our online parenting class. Watch our lesson videos, complete quizzes, and download class assignments all from your home. Visit the Smarter Parenting website under the Coaching tab and sign up for the silver, gold, or platinum level to access the class. Welcome back. We're talking about correcting behaviors. So the skill of correcting behaviors is something that I introduced to Dennis and Amber to work with Max on, specifically when he would not follow their instructions to go to bed. Now, we had done a lot of work in creating an environment where he would be tired enough to go to bed and where things were uh, consistent in the way that they were going to interact and react with him. And we introduced this in case Max decided to ignore them. So I gave them the steps to correcting behaviors. There are seven steps. Now, you may think that's a lot of steps, but I'm going to go through them with you because they're not really hard. They're actually fairly simple. And in many of them, uh, it just requires you to acknowledge something. So step number one, get the child's attention to stop the problem behavior. Step number two, express empathy. You can use a statement like, I realize that you are blank, blank, blank. Step number three, describe the negative behavior. And be sure to be descriptive and avoid judgment. Avoid asking questions, so no questions. Step number four, deliver a consequence because they didn't follow through. Step five, describe what you want your child to do instead. So you want to be descriptive and say, this is what I want you to do. Step six, give a reason why this good behavior is important to your child. You want to motivate them. And then step number seven is practice the new behavior and then reduce the consequence. That's the artistic and the flexible side. So the teaching family model has these steps. This is the technical side. You as a parent need to follow each of these steps. First one, get the child's attention. Usually that's done by saying their name and being sure that they look at you or make eye contact. So in this case, it would be Max. And they would be sure that Max is looking at them. Step number one is done. Step number two, express empathy. Max, I realize that you want to stay awake. Okay, step number two is done. Move on to step number three. Describe the negative behavior. Right now you are sitting there and not following my instruction to go brush your teeth. That's step number three. Step number four, deliver a consequence. Because you did not get up when I ask, then you give them a consequence that would work for the child. So for Max, the consequence was if he didn't follow through with the parent's request, he would lose an opportunity to play his portion of his video game because it's a video game that he plays after dinner before he gets ready to go to bed. So he would have to hand in the device to his parent rather than go do it and then come back and because they had him brush his teeth and get ready and come back and report and they would do another family interaction before he actually went to bed. So deliver the consequence in step number four. Because you did not go and brush your teeth when I asked, you need to give me the device, the electronic device. Okay, so we've gone through step number one, two, three, and four fairly quickly. It was Max, 
I realize that you do not want to go to bed. Describe the negative behavior. What you're doing right now is you are just sitting there not going to brush your teeth. Because you are sitting there and did not follow my instructions, you need to give me your playing device. Okay? One, two, three, four. Step number five. Describe what you want your child to do instead. Here, you are going to say, well, what you should do is go and brush your teeth when I ask you. And then step number six is give a reason why this good behavior is important to your child. When you go and brush your teeth, you'll have more time to play on your video game afterwards because I won't have to tell you to give it to me. And then step number seven, practice the new behavior and then reduce the consequence. So practicing the behavior, you would just tell your child, okay, now let's practice this. I'm going to tell you to go to the bathroom and brush your teeth again, and we'll see if you can do it. But let's practice it first where you tell me, because I want to show you how to do this. You be me and say, Max, I want you to brush your teeth, and I'll be you, and I will show you how to do it. So then you do it, you demonstrate it, show it to Max, so Max can see what it looks like. And then you come back, and then you practice it with Max. And you you physically have to do all the steps. So when you're doing it, it's not just walking to the bathroom and pretending to brush your teeth. You want to actually brush your teeth, and you want him to do it. Now, he may be brushing his teeth, you know, two or three times while you practice this so he can get it cemented in his head. But that actually is a good thing. I mean, you really do want clean teeth with young kids. So um, you originally practice it yourself because you want your child to be able to see, understand, and really experience what it's like to give the instruction and to see somebody do it. So they know exactly what to do. We we tend to learn better when we can see it rather than when we try and explain it. So this is very true of children. You want them to be able to see it happening so they can experience it and it's easier for them to understand and to follow through. Then you practice the new behavior. Now, here's where the artistic part comes in. You're going to reduce the consequence. You don't eliminate the consequence but you reduce the consequence. What does that mean exactly? Well, when you reduce the consequence, what you're telling your child is this. Look, you can make mistakes. That's okay. But if you fix it, you're not going to lose everything. If you can find a way to fix things, you can get what you need. And I want you to think of how beautiful that is. You know, we have the technical part where we're following through with what you say how you say it, how you interact with your child, and then the artistic part, which comes in, which is, hey, now I'm going to give you the opportunity to learn. I'm going to teach you. You're going to grow from this experience so we don't experience it again. It really is beautiful. In fact, the skills that we use in the teaching family model allow for this type of growth to happen, and it's wonderful. When you think about it, because it embraces this idea that, hey, we can be consistent and we can be flexible as parents. We can make you understand and we can teach you what you need to do and still allow you some liberty to grow within that space. The comfort I find in using the teaching family model is immense. I cannot tell you how many parents are so grateful for the steps of the skills that we use because it really does give them what they need to say, how they need to say it, and when they need to say it. 
but it also allows them to make adjustments based on their children because not all kids are the same. Not all kids are exactly the same, so they're going to need some adjustments and some changes. This is why I love the teaching family model, and this is why it's important for parents to understand being consistent is very, very important. In fact, we want consistency in our parenting but we also want to create a space where our children can learn and where they can expand and make decisions within that realm of consistency where they can develop and they can make decisions and understand the consequences of those decisions. So we've covered three very specific things during this podcast. What is normal right now and making adjustments along the way and understanding that the future there is going to continually B, opportunities where we make adjustments. The second thing that we covered is holding on to expectations. When we hold on too tightly to expectations, and especially if they're unrealistic expectations, we set ourselves up for failure, frustration, and anger. So we have to assess, consistently assess as parents, what are my expectations right now based on this time and this space? How will those expectations change in the future? And are there any expectations I hold from the past that are keeping me and my child from developing a stronger relationship? And then the third thing is how to be more flexible in your approach and why it's important. So I have taught you something that is on a profound level in the teaching family model. It's it's more than just giving you the language and the steps. We are helping you as parents learn how to be both technical and artistic, both consistent and flexible to the needs of your child. Because we're raising children, not robots. And we want to be able to meet them wherever they may be along their journey towards self-reliance and independence. It's miraculous and it's beautiful. So I want you to remember those things. I want you to be able to evaluate. This is going to take a lot of you sitting down and really processing this information and coming up with solutions and also examining your parenting style. Are you too strict? If you are strict, that's a good thing because you can tone it back. And how do you allow some flexibility along there so you are teaching rather than just punishing your child for negative behaviors that they do? Are you flexible enough to create a space where you can communicate back and forth with your child? Those things are important. They're very, very important. And we obviously all have the same goals for our children. We want them to grow up to be healthy, productive adults. And this helps them along that process. And it also reinforces our relationship with them. It strengthens us. So there's a lot to think about this week, right? Take some time. Sit down. Write this out. You want to write it out. What is normal back pre-pandemic? What is normal now? What is normal in the future? What adjustments do I need to make? What are my expectations from the past? What are my expectations now? What are my expectations for the future? What is realistic? And then in what ways can I implement the skills and allow for this flexibility? And I will tell you this, if you're just using the skills, built into the skills is the opportunity for your child to really grow it allows flexibility and our artistry in your parenting it allows them the flexibility to make decisions and to grow so that's it for me and i will talk to you again next time <laughs>